One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This is the Court Today replay on C103. And let's start as we've been doing every day this week and I think every day last week was sort of an update on coronavirus and where we're at and what broke overnight and what's the latest on the coronavirus. Ten new uh, cases were confirmed yesterday evening and of course that when the figure 10 was announced it was the largest daily increase since the first case was diagnosed uh, in this country and of course the first uh, case was diagnosed at the end of last month. We now have a total of 34 uh, cases of which all bar one, 33 of them, we can they can pinpoint exactly how the person picked up the coronavirus. There's just one diagnosis which is linked to community transmission, which that is good. So there's only one saying that it was somehow picked up out in the community. I think that's the case. Was that the first case that we had here in Cork? I think it is. Anyway, uh, the National Public Health Emergency Team, they say five of the latest cases were diagnosed in people here in the south, three were in the east and two were in the west six males and four females. Five cases related to travel to an affected area. Two related to hospital transmission or possible hospital transmission and three were associated with close contact with a confirmed case. There has also been a massive increase in the number of people being tested for the virus. Up to 1,784 people have been tested and when you look at this time last week there was only 297 people had been tested and the really positive news out of that figure, 98% of all of the suspected cases that were tested uh, came back as negative. So that certainly is a good news a story that was announced by Dr Tony Houlihan yesterday who said, while Ireland remains in containment phase, there is no room for complacency. And I think that's where we all have to kind of bring our A-game. That nobody get complacent about this. And yet, while we're saying to people, don't get complacent about it, look after yourself here, uh, you know, at home and protect yourself and protect vulnerable people. We then have, just across the water, uh, over in England, horse racing fans who definitely defied coronavirus fears yesterday. First day of the Cheltenham Festival. There had been widespread calls for Cheltenham, the sporting event, to be cancelled this year, but it didn't. It went ahead, despite the fact that there was, there has been a confirmed case of coronavirus in the town of Cheltenham and there's an additional two in Gloucestershire. Didn't stop 60,000 people turning up yesterday and packing him to Presbury Park for the first day of the annual horse racing festival. Thousands of Irish people have travelled or will travel over the next few days. Luke Ming Flanagan, the MEP, he said those attending the festival were gambling with all of our lives. He took to Twitter. He posted a picture of the packed crowds at Cheltenham and he wrote, as a result of these people, uh, more are more as a result of this, people are more likely to die from coronavirus. Welcome to Selfishville. 
Would you agree with Luke being a fan again? Are people being selfish by heading, by going to Cheltenham, particularly the people who travel from Ireland and then will be travelling back? The Social Democrat TD, Catherine Murphy, speaking to the Irish Daily Mail, said in the current environment, she would have thought holding a festival with such large crowds packed in tightly. She thought that was highly risky. Considering all the advices about this social distancing, you know, when you're out in a public area, when you're near somebody, trying to keep a metre or two metres apart from somebody. Uh, looking at the people in Cheltenham, there wasn't even inches or centimetres apart. They were all on top of each other. But keen to ensure that the event went ahead, the organisers say they put measures in place in, a, in an attempt to reduce the risk of coronavirus spreading. They've put in around 24 hand sanitizer banks and they've been placed around the site. There's also a pop-up pharmacy which is offering medical supplies. Extra hand basins were put into the toilet blocks and they have more staff than normal on hand to make sure that supplies of soap do not run out. They've also put posters around the race course reminding those in attendance to wash their hands regularly and to use the hand and gel but um, many people of the view that it shouldn't have got ahead and those that went are simply being selfish your thoughts welcomed on that and the expert group overseeing the coronavirus also drew up I thought this was this caught my attention yesterday they drew up new rules which will now allow healthcare workers who may have been exposed to the virus but don't have symptoms to allow them to return to work. The health service is struggling with huge numbers of staff who've been forced to self-isolate. I mean, when the first case broke at CUH, we had initially 60 people self-isolating, but I think that figure went up even higher. But now what the health experts are saying, because they're coming under so much pressure, the healthy workers, they will be risk-assessed before being assigned work and then they will be tested uh, twice daily while at work to make sure that they are okay. Uh, And then the expert group have given the go-ahead to regional laboratories. That's to begin testing suspected cases. Results, they say, should be available between 24 and 48 hours. And that, I take it, is to do with the fact that a lot of people who have gone forward for testing have been complaining about the delays in getting the results. I mean, if you think you have picked up the coronavirus and you're doing the right thing by going and saying, look, I need to get tested. You need to have the results as quickly as possible so you can decide then. I mean, it might not be that you're going to be very sick, but you need to know, do you need to keep away from your work colleagues? Do you need to keep away from the people that you live with? Do you need to have a little isolation room uh, yourself? And any kind of delays are just unacceptable. It really, in the crisis that we're facing at the moment, it is unacceptable. So I thought that was good to hear that they're going to have these regional laboratories doing the testing. And the group, though, also said that strict visiting restrictions imposed by hospitals and nursing homes, they say they're not needed at this stage and I was listening yesterday evening to some commentary and they were talking particularly about people in, elderly people in nursing homes. It's very, very difficult on elderly people who rely on visitors you know, family members coming in to fill them in on what's going out in the outside world and we're going to see a lot of elderly people emotionally go downhill because they don't have that support that generally speaking they have from their family. I mean some families are fantastic to visit elderly people in nursing homes you know some people would go in every would make sure that they have a visitor every single day uh, and now that's all been stopped in a lot of the nursing homes they really have restricted it and the, the expert group was saying that really there's no need for it at this stage now whether the nursing homes will decide to look at that again I don't know and then the other 
big rumour, I suppose, that went around yesterday and certainly it was massively active on social media yesterday was the rumours that all the schools are about to close. Now, Dr Houlihan said that it could not be ruled out at some stage, but it will not be implemented at the moment. A range of possible restrictive measures may be enforced in the future, but he said they will be deployed at an appropriate time and that it is not necessarily now. Now, earlier Yesterday, the Department of Education, I suppose they were forced to issue a statement. This was in response to reports circulating, as I say, widely on social media. There was WhatsApp groups buzzing around the country that schools were not going to reopen after St. Patrick's Day. There was a rumour went around yesterday that schools were going to close on Friday. Uh, And then obviously a long weekend with St. Patrick's Day happening next Tuesday. And there was a rumour went around that the schools wouldn't reopen until after the Easter break, which would mean... We are four weeks away from the start of the Easter holidays and then two weeks for the Easter holidays. It means the schools will be closed for six weeks. And that obviously was causing a huge amount of panic among working parents as to what were they going to do for childcare for a six week period. And one of the downsides now, you know, as I say, it's not to say that the schools won't close, but if they did decide to close the schools for six weeks and if you had parents who were not in a position to be able to take time off work themselves. There's an added danger there that the grannies and the grandfathers, we've got wonderful grandparents in this country, will step up to the mark and they will take over the child minding. But then we could be putting elderly people in a vulnerable situation if suddenly all the children are out of school and they've got to, many of them are to go to granny and granddads to be looked after. If they're carrying any kind of germs are the coronavirus they could end up passing it on to older people so it's it's one of those it's going to be a very fine line for the Department of Education and the expert group to take that decision to close all of the schools because it is going to cause for a lot of parents it is going to cause an absolute nightmare when it comes to childcare but I can tell you as of now the schools are not closing for St. Patrick's Day and they're not reopening. They are reopening after St. Patrick's uh, Day. And a spokesperson said any decision to close the schools will be made on public health advice and there's no advice at the moment uh, to do that. And then came, I was so disappointed for them, we'll try and get them on and talk to them this week, the Irish Cancer Society. They were forced yesterday to cancel their main fundraising event, Daffodil Day. It's due to be held at the end of this month and that is their biggest fundraising event of the year Uh, and I think more than ever now if you can support financially support the Irish Cancer Society please do because they are also going to come under immense pressure with the coronavirus because so many of the people they deal with are in that at risk group for a cancer patient to get the COVID virus, it literally could uh, kill them. So they're going to be under a lot of pressure as well. So they're going to need all of the more resources uh, that they can. So they've made the decision yesterday in the interest of public health and um, safety of their volunteers as well that they've decided to cancel Daffodil Day. I don't know if they're going to reschedule. So we'll see if we can put a call through and get somebody on from the Irish Cancer Society to see what they're going to do. And I don't know, the Daffodil Day was certainly running back in 2001 when the country closed down for foot and mouth and I don't know if anybody can remember did did Daffodil Day go ahead when the country was shut down for 
foot and mouth it probably uh, didn't and I don't know if that happened did they reschedule it for an, another day and I know the Children's Charity Make-A-Wish Foundation they had a big street collection planned for this Friday uh, they have also cancelled that as well so we're going to see a lot of those kind of cancellations I mean we're already announcing community events that are being cancelled but there'll be a lot more of the bigger events cancelled as well and talking of cancellation Ryanair and Aer Lingus they've suspended all flights to Italy as the European Commission are warning that the situation for the EU's aviation industry is deteriorating. They say on a daily basis I think it's happening on an hourly basis Ryanair said yesterday suspending all flights to and from Italy this week of course, we know Italy's gone into lockdown. Aer Lingus have halted all flights to Italy. They won't be back running until the 3rd of April. Ryanair will suspend domestic flights in Italy from midnight tonight and the international Italian flights from midnight on Friday. It's pl- it is planned that at this stage... Their suspension will last longer than Erlingus's. Theirs will last until the 8th of April. And I know and I saw some people up on social media yesterday who are now saying they're going to be stuck in uh, Italy. And I could see they were being attacked saying, why did you go to Italy in the first place? But anyway, uh, the airline are saying, Ryanair are saying the passengers seeking repatriation, they can they could get a free move to an earlier flight get out before they lock the country down which is going to be happening on midnight on uh, Friday but again it goes back to it's just hard to believe that people have still travelled to Italy in the last certainly in the last fortnight when we knew what was going on and we knew the situation that was unfolding in uh, Italy it really is is selfish the word beyond stupid it's just because you know whatever about putting your own life at risk the danger I think I certainly the worry that I would have with uh, COVID-19 I, I would like to think that I'd be strong and fit enough and healthy enough that if I got it I'd, you know I'd be okay I'd just probably have a nasty old flu and I would survive it but I, the fear I would have that I would pass it on to somebody who would be immune compromised or a cancer patient or somebody who's suffering with lung condition and you know to know that you passed it on to somebody who then passed away be very hard uh, to live with that and if you're planning on going to the cinema I think this is this is kind of one this is thinking outside the box on behalf of the cinemas every second seat in the cinema is going to be left empty this is under an omniplex plan to provide extra peace of mind the omniplex cinemas and they have 32 venues around the country they announced they're implementing in cinema seat separation it's part of measures to encourage effective social distancing in cinema so what happens is every second cinema seat will be unoccupied and they'll do it in like a checkerboard pattern now other measures they're going to do things like self-scanning of tickets they're going to increase cleaning regimes they're going to put in hand sanitising stations in every cinema uh, foyer and it's just to try and encourage people because obviously cinemas are going to be affected as well if you felt there would be too many people around you in the cinema their whole idea is they know the advice is this one metre separation so we're going to reduce the capacity in the cinema by 50% but they're hoping that it's going to give cinema goers peace of mind so if you want to go to the cinema feel free to go along but you'll be sitting there you won't have anybody sitting beside you some people might like the idea of that for sure and Dennis from listening to us in Oxford on uh, the C103 app. Uh, this is with regard to Cheltenham Festival. As regard COVID-19, when everyone has returned from the Cheltenham Festival, I feel everyone in Ireland should 
self-isolate with the exception of the people providing the essential services. If everybody did that for four, for 14 days and not allow any public transport as well as any flight in or out of Ireland, says Dennis from Oxford, I feel that that would help people. And you're, you're basically, Dennis, asking for the, shut, for the country to be shut down as they've done in Italy. Hopefully we'll never get to that stage, but nobody would rule out that it may not happen into the future. Uh, thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. And John Paul is taking your calls at 1850 333 103. And a texter says, Patricia, can you let me know, please, what people coming home from holiday in New York should do? Read the coronavirus. Where do I go for advice? Uh, if you want the most up-to-date advice, go to the HSE dot ie and they actually have a section about travel and if you've travelled to the affected areas. Now New York and America is not one of the countries listed in the affected areas. The places where there is a spread of coronavirus and the countries that we're most worried about China, Hong Kong, Singapore, South Korea, Iran, Japan and of course the regions of northern Italy even though now Italy is out completely because the Department of Foreign Affairs is saying nobody travels to Italy and you can't get flights in or out so anywhere in Italy and if you do go to any of those countries which is against can I say the advice of the Department of Foreign Affairs they then say to you when you come home if you are not if you're feeling unwell you ring the doctor you don't call in in person you ring the doctor go through your symptoms and they'll tell you what to do um, and if you are fe- if you're feeling well you don't have any any of the symptoms they, the advice at the moment is carry on with your normal routine and that's the way that's the advice they're giving here in Ireland now different advice if you're in the United Kingdom and I don't know about other countries but I know in the United Kingdom if you've travelled to any of those countries that I've listed any of the at-risk hotspots you're told to self-isolate for 14 days but that's not the case in this country but anyway I digress New York is not on the list so anyone coming travelling back from uh, New York you don't really have to do anything at all but I take it as with whether it's travel involved or not, if you come home or you're at home and you start to feel unwell with any of the symptoms of the coronavirus, which is the high temperature, which is the cough and difficulty breathing, then you ring. You don't go to your GP, you ring. Now, coming up on the programme, we're going to be speaking with the Irish Rural Link. They're looking for advice and guidance from the HSC and from the Department of Health as to how voluntary groups and groups working in the community what should they be doing? How do they protect themselves? And how do we protect our, our communities? We'll also hear how banks should conti- consider suspending, put a moratorium in on mortgages, similar to what it, Italy has done with the COVID-19. Now, banks are making moves, but it isn't a complete uh, moratorium. Also going to be finding out why petrol prices are not falling. They're falling on the world market. Why are they not falling? Why are we not seeing them fall in at our petrol stations? And I know somebody before I'd even mentioned that somebody sent me in if I can find it now somebody sent me in a picture of um, uh, here it is I don't know if there's a name on this Liam thank you Liam for this Liam says prices of diesel and petrol in Erlingford and he took a picture in Erlingford of you know screenshot of petrol and diesel and it is diesel is at 
120.9 and petrol at 130.9. Uh, Liam says, we're being ripped off in West Cork and in Cork City. For your information, Patricia, you should highlight this on your programme. Well, coincidentally, he said that in earlier, we are going to be talking about it today on the programme. Also talking about AIB, they plan to introduce banking charges to many customers currently enjoying free banking. We're going to discuss how do you avoid getting those uh, charges and the wonderful Leave Kavanagh joins us, former Eurovision winner and of course we claim her as one of our own because she won the Eurovision in Mill Street and that was our Eurovision uh, for sure. She joins us in advance of a show that she's bringing to the Everyman uh, in a couple of weeks time and it is Wednesday Peter Dowd will answer all of your gardening questions Lots of calls and commentary on coronavirus. John, okay a couple of people are worried about cruise ships and cruise ships coming into Cork. John in the city has been on about it as has John in Cove John in the city was on to say cruise ships are coming into Cove this weekend. Should they not be stopped at Roach's Point and simply not allowed to dock? A lot of the people on those cruise ships will come, come ashore and then be bussed to Blarney, Killarney, etc. And they could be spreading viruses everywhere they go. We don't know what they have. So while we, the Irish here, are planning uh, and we've got all these expert groups planning on what we're doing in in the actual, on the actual island, we're not stopping cruise ships coming in and bringing God knows what. We need to be taking precautions about these ships coming in. And John in Cove says it seems that the cruise ships are still coming to Cove. Is this all greed considering what is happening across Europe with the coronavirus? We got onto the port of Cork. They have confirmed that the schedule will remain in place. The Saga Safar is due into port on Friday. And in a statement, the Port of Cork said they're following all necessary guidelines from the HSC. Now, I don't know what that means. Does that mean are they testing? Are they taking everybody's temperature as they're getting off the cruise? Are the people on the cruise being tested? I I don't quite know what the guidelines with regard to cruise ships are because I've been following the guidelines on the the HSE but I didn't specifically look at ones for cruise ships so I might try and take a look and see have they an actual section on how to deal with uh, cruise ships Marion and Clonakilty says everything should be shut down now According to a professor who was on TV last night, I would like to hear the public's views on what the professor had to say last night, shutting the whole country down to curtail things. This was on the Ivan Yates show on Virgin uh, Media. I didn't see it. Uh, I heard about it this morning. I did see that doctor that everybody was talking about the night before on the Claire Byrne show. The one voice on that panel of experts who felt we're not, that the government is not handling the situation properly and who also felt we need to shut down. She was saying, the, the doctor and Claire Byrne was saying, we should have stopped flights in and out to Italy last week. No, you know, we're doing it this week, but it's too late. And actually, she has a fair point. When you look at all of the cases so far, including like the 10 cases that were confirmed uh, yesterday, five of them directly related to travel uh, to northern Italy. And most of the cases have either related to a person themselves travelling to northern Italy or is related to somebody they knew coming back from Italy and passing it on. When we mentioned New York, hi Patricia, New Rochelle, which is a suburb of New York, is on lockdown for coronavirus. So I would say New York could potentially be an area that should, you should be tested after returning from. But I think the advice at the moment when you return from anywhere, including the countries that we're told not to travel to, you only go for testing if you present with symptoms. You've, and of course, 
It can be 14 days before you present with symptoms. 1850-333-103. Let's take a break and we'll come back and we'll chat with the Irish Rural Link for the advice and guidance that they are looking for. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln-dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie Eggfoilemach quid den anihe is farlin. Shae truer C103 air kirkig. Ha aglishne padrags pol er hroj boil el lorna kaharach. Ha koler an aglish at hogus sivien ocht giat sashaskashe. Marialer gach ata erndevishtig. On dara gatach agazun rune rate untach. Binja golni amask na multi dos na rodias farledi an avagurkig er trip advisor. Agas isminik gunenter kershiser mar ot huenach. On hiadur elegmetu lorna kaharach. Terhofada lesopel nev padr agas pol. Nukta quid denaniha is fari gurkig C103. Irish Rural Link. The na- National Network representing the interest of rural communities is calling for the HSE and the Department of Health to issue a directive for community and voluntary organisations on COVID-19. To find out why, Seamus Boland, Chief Executive of Irish Rural Link, joins me. Good morning to you, Seamus. Good morning, Patricia. And you're you're welcome. What are your biggest concerns and your members' biggest concerns with regard to the coronavirus? Well, yeah, since we we made that call, we met with the, the department yesterday of Roland Gill Community Affairs, and certainly they're uh, very much in, in tune now that they need. Our concerns are very simple. There are lots of people delivering meals and wheels, or, or on a voluntary basis, they're delivering services to people living alone, people, older people, and people who are vulnerable. And really, we, at the weekend, we were getting calls from people saying, Look, should we? Be, what should we be saying first of all to the people where we're delivering these meals and wheels? To what sort of reassurance should we be giving? And also, given that some people who deliver these meals and wheels are also retired and maybe maybe in the vulnerable category, uh, they also need reassurance. The other call we got, Patricia, was from people on a voluntary basis bringing people patients to cancer services in in our cities, especially people from rural areas. Again, you know, we're driving in buses and people are beside one another. And again, are we properly protected, etc.? So there was a general, uh, I suppose, fear that the voluntary sector uh, is not really being considered. And just finish with this point before you, you ask the next question. Like, for example, we know the government met the trade union movement and the employers, but they didn't meet the voluntary sector. And while the HSC is doing, uh, we know, a fantastic job, we simply felt that this sector of our society, which caters for an awful lot of people, uh, wasn't really thought about uh, last week. So I, I assume up to now, the community and voluntary groups, they've been trying to rely on, on, on like a common sense approach. <coughs> Absolutely. Uh, I mean, one of the, uh, you know, one of the tragedies, in a sense, is that um, we know the HSC are busy, and, they, and look, they're doing a fantastic job. We know that, but they they need to be directing some of their advice towards the voluntary sector. Uh, so the voluntary sector still has to. It does an awful lot of work for people in local communities in terms of providing help and assistance. So that help and work still goes on. People still need meals, need services, etc., transport, all of that. That all needs to happen. So you can't stop 
and wonder uh, and think about what you're going to do next uh, and wonder what you should be doing, whether it's right or wrong. And all we are saying is that we... we now, we did get the meeting yesterday, but it, we, it needs to be much more concentrated. And there is a question of resources as well, uh, because, you know, you're, you're asking people uh, to take extra precautions and extra training and all of that, and we need more people as well. So uh, it, it's quite a serious situation because, as I said, all older people and many others in the community will not get the services unless the volunteers deliver and, you know, we already know and we're hearing uh, a lot from older people who are so, so worried about this COVID-19 and terrified that they're going to pick up the virus uh, themselves. And, and I'm now suddenly thinking of the people that your members are dealing with. I mean, yeah. if they've got this added worry that, oh, my God, they're not going to come with my meals on wheels. Yeah, and I think that's a very understandable uh, situation and but we're now I do know because there was we were out at the weekend or we're working with some of these people. We we they certainly are committed, the most committed people I've ever come across. But yeah, I mean, again, most of the volunteers for this tend to be retired people, and as you know, if you're listening to the advice, that they are kind of in category of what's called uh, vulnerable themselves, so they can't be taking risk either. So it's just that kind of reassurance is needed. No question about it. And they do need reassurance. And the HSC probably, along with the government, needs to just be aware that they need to uh, funnel some resources in that direction. And more than ever, Seamus, we we all have a role to play in helping out, particularly elderly neighbours and friends. Never, never was it more important, Patricia. You know, um, look, people... In some ways, people may well be even more isolated than they already are because uh, relatives don't want to call or they don't want to endanger them, etc. And yet, they do need they do need to be able to talk to people. So, therefore, the phone call is no harm. And look, they said it this morning, the HSE, that you know, don't don't isolate people completely mm. because other things like well being, mental well being, yeah. are important. Uh, socialisation are important. So just because you don't visit to them, uh, you, you can actually, if you take the right precautions, but make sure to, to contact them and see are they all right. Yeah, and I mean, I know the HSE are directing people to go online to the hse.ie and I'm constantly uh, talking about it here on the radio when we get questions and queries in. It's a great, great site to go to. They've loads of advice. But I'm also very conscious, Seamus, that I'm talking to some people who will be listening to this programme who do not have access to the internet or have never used the internet. Yeah. That's an I'm issue. Absolutely, Patricia. We made that point yesterday and uh, some other colleagues of ours, other organisations have made the same point. We know they're they're trying to set up phone lines to give information at the moment, which is a step forward. But again, you know, Patricia, so much of our sector, our society, is served by what I call the voluntary services. Mm-hmm. And, and they are the people who are going to end up trying to explain to people what they have to do, what they should be doing, and all of that, you know. So in that sense, what we're saying is, uh, please use the voluntary sector. You've used them before all the time, because without us, uh, there would be so much not done. But uh, don't forget that we exist. And remember, I'll give you another example. Section 39 
there is a section of funding given by the HSE for, and it usually employs people to do it. We've just learned this morning that that group of workers, if they, if any of them go on sick leave, they will not get the announced three hundred euro per week, which was announced there recently. Why? Why? You know, <laughs> they're not regarded as public sector workers. Do you know what I mean? They're they're seen they're in the voluntary sector, so therefore. But I thought that was going to cover all private workers, so therefore it would cover them. Well, we've just heard within the last hour that there's a big question mark on, over that, and we're trying to bring it to the department's, uh, the Department of Finance's attention. But we really are not happy with their view that, no, that's in the voluntary sector, and therefore it's not covered. And so that's section, all, that will be all Section 39 workers? That's what we are appearing, that's what we've just heard in the last hour. That's, and, cool. and, and, and that's a mistake. So that's yeah. an uh, that's an anomaly that just has to be sorted out. That's what you I cannot expect. And, uh, and yeah. I hope it is because we're t- on the one hand we're hearing calls from Minister for Health and and shocking and they are doing a great job. Let's be. I'm not at all getting into this crack of criticising them, but they are asking for the voluntary sector to step up. They're asking for citizens to step up and put yourself forward. And I can tell you many people are doing that, Patricia. But you can't, on the one hand, then be mean about uh, entitlements that they should have, especially those who are paid in certain voluntary sectors. You can't be mean about it because I guarantee you there will not be mean. I heard a trade union spokesman saying rightly the other day that this can't be used as an opportunity to to you know, to be mean to the public service. Well, equally, can't be used as an opportunity uh, to penalise voluntary people or voluntary workers or people who are paid by voluntary organisations Absolutely, as well. absolutely. And and Seamus, it is, you know, collectively, we're really good in this country when, yes. when the chips are down as communities to get together and to help each other uh, other out. You know, and I mentioned earlier with, the, you know, people who have been forced to self-isolate either because they've come in contact with somebody or they're deciding to self-isolate to protect themselves. Yeah. Communities, we can all help each other out here. If you know of somebody who's self-isolating, give them a ring, see if they need any shopping done. You know, you, yeah. don't, you don't have to be in contact with them. You can drop the shopping at the door, ring the bell and run yeah. away. Um, but that, we will get each other through through this, won't we? we will. We will have to do that and I can tell you that if, if and I hope it doesn't get much worse, or I, I hate to even say the Italian word at this stage, but heavens, if we get like that, then we will need loads of people to deliver essential services, shopping, uh, bring people to clinics when they, you know, people are at the end of the day, people have the normal thing of health and welfare that they have to mind. People have conditions that they need constant checkups on. All of that has to be organised, and it will not be done. Guarantee you, it will not be done without the voluntary sector, without volunteers, neighbours, friends, relatives who are able, who are taking maybe some chances themselves, but they will do so because we're good, as you say, in Ireland at doing that. So I, I just want to make sure that when the government meet the unions and the employers, they really take the voluntary sector just as seriously because, in fact, they are the people on the ground more likely going to do this stuff uh, and, and, and than anybody else. OK, we'll, we'll leave it there. Um, Seamus, uh, thank you for that and uh, okay. thanks for joining us on the programme. Good morning to you. That is uh, Seamus Boland, Chief Executive of Irish Rural Link. There's a sad text to say I'm in my 70s. My husband is currently unwell. Only for my ch- three children. We haven't had one neighbour 
call to check to see if we're all right so I feel community spirit is really gone we have helped these same people these same neighbours we have helped them in the past and now in our hour of need there's no one around isn't that really sad that's really really sad and that's I hope that's a real isolated case because I'd like to think that that we haven't lost that community spirit and that people in the main are good and they do call and they do try to uh, help out but it's it's sad that saddens me to see a text like that uh, come in 1850 and can I hope your husband re- makes a full recovery I don't know what the illness is but I hope he gets better soon and that uh, life gets back to normal for you uh, John Paul's taking calls at 1850 you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103103 Court today on C103 with a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go Short Castle Street Mallow open seven days for smokeless coal turf kiln dried wood and gas lowcostfuel.ie We've given away a VIP trip to New York with amigoloans.ie on C103 No, oh, it's working, it's ready, it's ready, it's ready. Okay, here we go, here we go. Is it you? Hello? Uh, hi there, is that Alan O'Sullivan? It is indeed. Simon. Alan, it's Simon and Patricia here from C103. Alan? Hi Alan! We're going to New York City! Guys, I can't believe it. I'm so so thankful. Oh my god! I'm a massive Billy Joel fan. Oh, absolutely brilliant! New York is just unbelievable. I can't believe it. Congratulations! Stay tuned for our next big giveaway on Cork's greatest hits. C103. We were speaking with Seamus Boland about advice to advice to the voluntary and community groups under Irish Rural Link. Well, Tony contacted us to say, could the HSE give more guidance and advice to home helps? We are using our own hand sanitizers, which now we can't buy in the shops. They're so hard to get. And yet the HSE haven't issued any of the home helps with hand sanitizers. Seems crazy. 1850 We're going to take a break. We have news at uh, 11 on the way. In the next hour, we are going to talk about why petrol prices are not uh, falling. Uh, also, should banks be suspending mortgages with the COVID-19 crisis and we'll also speak with Neve Kavanagh who joins me live in studio. Court today on C103 with a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street Mallow. Call and collect or get seven day delivery for those cosy nights in. Lowcostfuel.ie So you've got a smartphone or tablet. Download the C103 app today and listen to your favourite shows on the go. On your phone. Tablet. Smart speaker and radio. We are C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. By the way, for people that were having problems with Serview, including Marion in Formoy, who raised our attention to it yesterday, she got on to us to say that for the last few days she didn't have RTE Virgin Media or TG Cahar. And uh, she was wondering, was it just her Serview box or were other people in the same situation? Anyway, we contacted uh, Serview and they tell us that they have advised of frequency changes and they advised about this earlier last month. Now, not all areas of Cork are affected by the changes, but we're 
Marion is in the Fomoy area is. So Marion now needs to retune along with other people who've been affected. You need to retune your Serview box to update the frequencies that you receive the channels on. Now you can arrange to have a TV engineer in your area call out or a friend or a family member if you can't do it yourself. But you should be able to do it yourself. Somebody who's familiar with the Serview box uh, and may have done it themselves will be able to do it for you. But failing that if you get on to a local TV engineer in your area they will be able to sort it out. 1850 Now yesterday it was announced that mortgage payments will be suspended across Italy. It was part of measures to soften the economic blow of coronavirus on households there and is this something that should be considered here in this country? Well Fianna Fáil MEP for the South Billy Kelleher thinks so and he joins me. Good morning to you Billy. Good morning, Patricia. Now, are you suggesting a blanket suspension like uh, Italy or is your suggestion just for people affected by COVID-19? Uh, those that are affected by COVID-19, you could be affected in a number of ways. Uh, firstly, you may have to self-isolate. Um, that might mean that an entire family would have to self-isolate for a number of weeks. That could put additional financial pressure on a family to be able to pay their mortgage or to pay their rent. And um, in those cases, I believe that the state should support people in uh, in, in, in rent uh, and that the banks should defer the payment of that mortgage uh, until the end of the mortgage term. In other words, that you would just uh, delay that payment. Um, you, you'd shove it out uh, a number of years. Yeah, you're not talking uh, about debt. Short... You're not talking about debt write-off no. or anything like that. No, it's just, it's just the, the, the month's mortgage or maybe a number of months if the family are affected for a, for a, for a period of time or if the individual is affected for a period of time. What we don't want, Patricia, is uh, barriers to people to self-isolate. We're trying to create a, a, nas- a national feeling of effort um, to muster that sort of, uh, you know, strong camaraderie between people and the government and the institutions uh, to ensure that we can limit the damage that COVID-19 could do in terms of spreading and also the impact will have on the broader economy. And in doing that, we need everybody to cooperate. And I think the banks should be put in place now uh, measures so that in the event of a family having to self-isolate or if a company has to close down because of uh, coronavirus in the premises or whatever, and if people have a, a loss in income, well then, they should be uh, methods in place whereby they can defer that payment until the end of the mortgage term. And we know that the government is providing illness benefit that was announced to all workers this week. But I mean, even at 300 odd euro, in many cases, that won't be enough to cover a mortgage. No, no, I wouldn't. And I, I honestly believe that, um, you know, I mean, if we if you want people to come forward uh, and this would be this would put huge pressure on a, on a, on a, the breadwinner in a, in a household, for example, they may have to self-isolate, and in the event of they self-isolating, if they are self-employed, um, if they are uh, on contract work, uh, they, they lose income immediately. Mm. Now, I mean, you, you're torn, you're conflicted, and you self-isolate uh, because you had come in contact with somebody who had coro- coro- coronavirus or that, the potential threat to that, uh, or do you stay working and with the threat or potential risk of you infecting others? And I don't think any individual or any family should be put in that uh, uh, position to have to make that decision. And the banks um, would only be foregoing that repayment or maybe two months repayment and it will be put on to the end of the mortgage uh, whenever that may, may be. And I don't think that would be very onerous. It's happening in Italy across the board and I believe that... Um, the Irish banks, the Irish Payment Federation that represents the banking bodies in Ireland should now put in place mechanisms so that to be known that in the event of you having to self-isolate or if you have to, uh, if you're in hospital because of coronavirus, that there's a method, an easy method whereby your mortgage uh, uh, 
a repayment is deferred or in the context of rental that the support through the state. Yeah, I and I know some of the banks are coming out. I mean, Bank of Ireland say it will offer a payment break and flexible arrangement. Uh, AIB is also not putting any special measures in place, but it says they have existing mortgage features that would help. Ulster Bank says it will allow uh, mortgage repayments to be deferred. Permanent TSB, on the other hand, is not offering across the board uh, mortgage or loan relief. So the banks, some are coming out saying they'll do some but that's not enough. No, look, there's a lot of ifs and maybes and buts in those statements and that's the difficulty. What we need is a definitive statement from the banking representative organisation and the banks that that it represents to state that in the event of you have to self-isolate um, or if you contract the coronavirus or if your company or business is closed down or you are sent home because of the, the risk of coronavirus, uh, that if that impacts on your income, well then there should be an obligation on the banks to put in place an easy method whereby that that repayment uh, for whatever month or number of months, it may take two months or three months before it washes through the system, uh, that they will be deferred. And what we need is the certainty of that. You see, you can't have a situation where the person, will I self-isolate or I must get onto my bank? Um, ringing banks now is, is a challenge in itself to get mm. a, a, a definitive... A, hum- a human to speak to. Yes. So, like, uh, people just need certainty so that if you have a, a system in place in every bank whereby you can uh, pick up the phone, ring somebody and say, look, I have to self-isolate because I have um, you know, a risk of having contracted the virus or I was in work where the virus has been found. Wh- whatever the reasoning is, uh, clearly there might have to be some medical certification given at a later stage, but it should be in such a way that that can be done. Uh, I don't believe it's beyond our capacity as a people to do those things and certainly the banks, uh, in view of the fact of what they have you know, over the years, well supported by the state um, and by the people, in other words, that, you know, at times of national crisis, um, the people did it for the banks. Uh, certainly, I think the banks should be very much uh, enthused by this uh, suggestion and they should be coming out front uh, in offering this to people, not having to be dragged uh, to the table to look at it or to offer a potential um, debt forgiveness for a, a couple of months or something. What we're saying quite clearly is just defer the payments and roll them into the back end of the mortgage uh, and that will be their contribution uh, to, to people and to this national effort to try and contain the coronavirus spread and l- limit the damage that it will do and could do to people, their lives, their health and the broader economy. And take that financial worry away from them. Can, they, can this yes, be forced yes. on the banks or would they have to agree and sign up to it themselves? Can you force well, them look, to do I it? Think, I'm not sure you could force them to do it uh, in view of the fact that they're all individual contracts uh, with individuals who are mortgage holders at the end of the day. But, like, you know, there's, there's a surely a moral imperative on the banks uh, to bring some support and effort to the national effort to address the, the coronavirus. Bearing in mind, look, we're talking about trying to minimise the potential risk of life in many cases. So we're trying to minimise the impact that this virus will have on the number of deaths in, in this country. We're trying to limit the damage that this will have in terms of the spread of the virus throughout the population and the impact that that will have on everyday life and on the broader economy. And I would be very concerned, very concerned, that if we look at uh, what has happened in other countries, uh, and you look at Italy, for example, which is the, the, the most extreme case in Europe, but, you know, we have the eighth largest economy in the world, the third largest in the European Union, in lockdown at the moment. Uh, so we want to have every uh, effort... Um, uh, 
you know, brought forward to ensure that we 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 limit this, this to, to stop that impact. to stop that happening. And actually, when you mentioned yes. uh, people renting, uh, Billy, we've heard from people renting who are afraid if they end up in that situation where they have to self isolate, be it because they have the uh, coronavirus or they've come in contact with somebody with the coronavirus. There's a lot of people renting who are very nervous that they may not to be a, they may not be able to pay their rent. They really need to be looked after and given some kind of a guarantee at this stage? Oh, oh they do and I, I mean at the outset I mentioned rent as well I mean but in the context I was just talking about in the context of the banks but yes uh, the broader issue around rent has to be looked at as well and I mean the big challenge we have here is like many people now are renting the, it's their home it's their home they're renting uh, it's their home because they're unable to purchase and the pressures that are on it and if they can't make a number of repayments well they will be um, evicted effectively and that is a huge pressure on, on people as well so uh, I think that the, the state um, has to be able to look at that uh, as well to ensure that you know there are some measures put in place whereby um, people can roll over rent. Now, equally, of course, um, you could say that uh, a lot of these rental properties are owned by an individual who has a mortgage with the bank. And if the tenant and the landlord can come to an arrangement, uh, you know, the bank should be understanding as well in terms of the, the landlord's obligations to make repayments. So in other words, if the if the tenant uh, has to forego rent, paying the rent for a while because they're, they're in self-isolation or their job is under threat because of the coronavirus, well then that there could be a request made to the bank to defer the mortgage repayment and that could be passed back. You know, so I think we have to be creative and imaginative, but we can't sort of just let this drift and drift and drift and then find that we are in, um, go beyond the containment phase of the virus where it's into breakout into a, a broader population uh, and then we're trying to put measures in place on these issues. So well the banks on and they should be very much uh, in twos, as I said, by the suggestion and coming to the fore with, with the offer. And then in the rental area, the state obviously has an obligation, I think, uh, to, to assist, not I think, the more, most definitely. And I think landlords with their lenders should also be very understanding of the plight of people uh, because of self-isolation, loss of income, uh, or maybe because their job or business uh, that they work in or own um, is under pressure because of, uh, of the coronavirus. We need a collective national effort and everybody must play their part and the lending institutions are key components in the economy and it should be in their interest more than anything else to ensure that this doesn't have a broader contagion into the broader economy that would damage uh, the growth uh, of, of the country itself. And by the way, are you happy with the way the Department of Health and the HSE are handling the COVID-19 crisis so far? Well, look, y- y- yes, I am. I mean, you know, like St. Patrick's Day parades and all those things. I mean, no, you could have been, you could have debated whether or not they should have announced earlier that they should be cancelled. But in general, look, everybody is trying to do their best. I mean, this is a it could overwhelm people very quickly if we're not careful. It's still in the containment phase, but there's no doubt there's going to be a further increase in the number of people who will contract the virus and present to the health services. Uh, what I suppose we must try and ensure is that we slow the slow the spread of the of, of the virus so that there isn't a surge of people uh, at any one time that so look we should take the advice of the health officials um self-isolation is a critically important part of this um you know just hygiene washing of hands all of these things not mixing in big crowds just that we just have to be conscious that we all have a role to play and i think in fairness the the department and the minister and the public health officials and the hsc uh, and, and the health services in general, the people working is, are, are doing an exceptionally good job. Um, and I think we can learn from other countries now. I mean, we saw what happened in Italy. They probably had the virus for a number of weeks before they actually realised it was in their midst, and there was a huge spike. But containment uh, in terms of 
uh, cancelling large events, um, asking people to self-isolate, um, tracing people that uh, have been in contact with people with the virus, those type of things, it does prove to have an effect. Uh, so we should make sure that we take all the best practices from China, from Italy and others that have been uh, ahead of us in terms of uh, this particular virus. It is very serious. It will have an impact on people's health, um, uh, on people's lives that are vulnerable, and on the broader economy, and everybody should play their part okay. in listening to the advice and uh, acting out. Okay, and just very finally, just on, on a different topic, because I saw it was something that you commented on. You're calling for the competition watchdog to investigate petrol prices in Ireland. We've had so many listeners contact the programme saying, why are we paying so much at the petrol pumps? Yes, Patricia. I mean, again, we have, we see that uh, the price of oil has dropped uh, dramatically in in recent months, and only last week because of uh, Saudi Arabia and uh, and Russia sort of having an oil war, uh, we saw them plummet to thirty three dollars a barrel. Uh, we're still paying one forty, one forty four at the pump for for diesel. Um, it is an ex- exceptionally, uh, you know, hard to explain how the crude oil price can drop dramatically, and the price at the pump doesn't drop maybe one or two cent. And equally, when you have the opposite case, when the barrel, the price of the barrel of oil goes up, well, it goes up almost immediately mm. at the pump. And I just think that, look, retailers and wholesalers of petroleum in, and products in Ireland, like, you know, they have to be able to explain a little better um, how they are not justifying a, a quicker reduction in the price of diesel and petrol in our four courts throughout the country. And I think the Competition and Consumer Watchdog should look at this. Uh, they have looked at previously at the the, the whole um, industry, and I think they should take a, a revisit this again to see whether or not there's exceptional profiteering, uh, almost monopolies uh, working in terms of how prices are set. Uh, and when you see the barrel of oil plummeting from over $67 down to 33 in the last couple of weeks, uh, that we're in a situation where um, the price of diesel has come by 2 or $0.03, cent is just not good enough and it's impossible to explain and it's unfair to consumers and customers. Okay, we'll leave it there, Billy. Listen, thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Thank you, Patricia. Good thank morning you. to you. Bye-bye. That is MEP for the South, uh, Billy uh, Kelleher. I think a lot of people will agree with him, particularly on that issue of why are we not seeing cheaper petrol and diesel when the price in the world market is down to almost uh, record lows. 1850 Some of your calls coming in on COVID-19. This might be smart. Jim says, Patricia, there must have been no hand washing before this coronavirus because there are people buying soap now that never bought it before. You go into most supermarkets. I, I was in supermarkets at the weekend and there was actually no liquid soap at all to be had. They were completely uh, bought out. Someone else asks, should the likes of slimming classes, etc. be suspended uh, as so many people are mixing? At the moment, there's still the advice coming from the experts is, you know, continue your life as normal, continue to go out to things as normal. I mean, they've cancelled large gatherings, but that's things like the St. Patrick's Day Parade. But they're saying for everything else, continue as normal. Now, that's not to say that we're not seeing cancellations. We are. I think locally people themselves are making decisions. You know, voluntary groups who are organising events are making decisions. But I mean, the advice of the experts is to try to live, try to continue on as normal. 
I mentioned yesterday and we are hoping to try to chat with the Irish Cancer Society on the programme this week. They made the announcement that Daffodil Day has been cancelled. Well, that's upset one listener who says, Patricia, I don't understand why Daffodil Day has been cancelled for this year. At the end of the day, the people collecting are out on the street. People are just walking by. You don't need to stop and chat. You could just, you know, pass on your contribution, take your daffodil and get on your merry way. There's no coughing or sneezing uh, involved. And uh, if people are, you know, really worried about it, you could use hand sanitising gel. They could wear gloves to handle the money. I don't see that it's any more dangerous than children mixing in schools and on school buses and going into shops, checking, checking out your groceries. What about all the poor cashiers? They're handling cash on a daily basis. Well, as they say, we'll find out from the Irish Cancer Society their exact reasoning as to why they decided to cancel because they would not have taken that decision lightly. It is their main fundraiser for the year. And Frank says, Patricia, of course, Cheltenham should have been cancelled. Now, Frank goes further. He feels all church services should be cancelled. Funerals. Except just those of immediate family attending. Frank said, I'd cancel bingo. I'd close all schools and colleges, universities. Um, there was somebody speaking on the Claire Byrne show on Monday night. He was talking about having gatherings with no more than 10 or 10 people come together. Everything else would be cancelled. We will end up worse than Italy if drastic measures are not taken and not taken soon. We need to act now before it is too late. And someone else said, I saw a picture in the Irish Examiner of a person at Cheltenham. When all of those people come home, they should be made to self-isolate. It's very unfair on them to have even gone over to uh, Cheltenham. And another listener says, Trish, I think it is rather ironic that the first I heard of the coronavirus was about three months ago. I was listening and watching Minister Simon Coveney, Minister for Foreign Affairs. He was on TV and he was speaking, according to this listener, three months ago about a bad virus that was coming out of China. And there was Irish people living there and he felt at the time that they should be given every kind of help to be allowed to come back home. This listener says, what was the man thinking of? But in fairness, any of the cases in this country so far of COVID-19 hasn't come out of China. It has come from people who travelled to Italy. Either people who travelled to Italy themselves or people who came in contact with somebody who travelled from Italy. We haven't had a case from China yet. 1850 333103. Lines open. C103 Jobs. Applied profiles in Mallow. They're looking for general production operatives. That job comes with an immediate start. While a driver is wanted for a school run that's in the Duhalo area, you need to have a full B licence and guard the vetting. A warehouse operative with van driving is required immediately. That's in the Blackpool area. And a temporary admin officer is wanted to work in Kentucky. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie C103 presents the Clonakilty Park Hotel West Cork Rally on March 14th and 15th in Clonakilty. The cream of Irish and British rally stars come to take on the roads of West Cork. Action gets underway with the ceremonial start in Clonakilty Town Centre on Friday night, March 13th. 
Clonakilty Park Hotel, West Cork Rally. Fun and excitement for all the family. March 14th and 15th in Clonakilty with Cork's greatest hits, C103. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And Eddie has been on, this is on fuel prices that I touched on with uh, at the end of my interview with uh, Billy Keller to say the state isn't going to do much to reduce the price of petrol and diesel as they make too much tax on fuel once it goes down they will get less. People need to be shouting more about fuel as oil has come down on the world market which is what Billy Kelleher was pointing out um, but at the pumps, petrol and diesel still as high as uh, ever. Oh there's a bit of good news. The Wild Atlantic Way has been named the most scenic drive in the world by an international travel magazine and web portal. Big 7 Travel says the Wild Atlantic Way trail is simply unparalleled. It shows off draw-dropping coastal mountains, rugged countryside and ancient history the Wild Atlantic Way it pipped Argentina's road to El Chalton to the top spot on the list congratulations and of course the Wild Atlantic Way we know the best part of it is the part that's here in the south just on an update by the way on COVID-19 all Polish schools will close starting from next Monday to curtail the spread of the coronavirus and if you're chatting to John Paul during the break saying oh have you seen them what's just after breaking about Poland and he said I didn't think Poland had it, that, had it that bad they don't they've had 26 confirmed cases so a little less than ours they've had nobody die so it's the same with us on, on that but they're deciding they're going to try to stop the spread now so they're closing all schools from Monday that's not the case uh, here Morning Trish says a texter in the name of God why are national schools sending coach loads of children to swimming pools and sporting fixtures it may only be days away before we have a pandemic on our hands we need to be acting someone else says I'm just wondering there are a few weddings coming up in this area are these classed as mass gatherings surely they are and they're a haven for the coronavirus to spread I think there should be a directive from the health board to cancel these events as well thanking you a worried listener you'll have a lot of worried brides and grooms if I was to start shouting at that we need to cancel all weddings I know in Italy but Italy's in a very different situation because they've locked down the entire country they've cancelled all weddings and they've cancelled all uh, funerals as well we're not at that stage yet here in this country I suppose again people just need to be sensible when they're attending uh, weddings I know one of the diocese was asked for a directive about kissing the bride and kissing the groom maybe people won't be doing that at weddings and I saw online yesterday because this came up when we were talking about removals on the programme uh, last week some a undertakers in Kerry had a sign up at the weekend for people who were attending a removal not to shake hands. They were just doing no shaking of hands. You just you could go, you could talk to the people, you could sympathise with the people, but they were saying to people, please do not shake uh, hands. Um, hi, Patricia. Oh, this is Dan. Dan says, I agree with your earlier caller in relation to volunteers and how volunteers are the backbone of this country. Dan um, sends in a text about Blood Bike South been one who over the past few weeks have been on the road every night supporting our public hospitals delivering packages to Dublin free of charge. I know our running costs have increased hugely 
please support our volunteers kind regards Dan Uh, and Dan you're a group that we don't talk about a lot and you know the fact that you've mentioned that we might get onto you to come and have a chat with us because they are blood banks out there they're just an incredible group of it's not just guys because I've seen some photographs and there's gals involved as well they're a charitable organisation and they they operate primarily in the southern region of Ireland but I didn't know that they went as far as, as Dublin delivering packages but according to Dan they do and the mission is to assist hospitals and other medical facilities and what they do is they provide voluntary motorcycle traditionally it's the transport service of blood but they bring other medical materials as well uh, during uh, on an out of hours basis and the whole idea is it frees up the ambulances you know if records need to be get from one hospital to another hospital they, they can do it that way but I didn't realise but listen reading Dan's text there they go to Dublin as well they're an incredible group so if you come across blood bikes Cork Blood Bike South is what they're called please support them because they really do and we never know when either of us may need or a family member may need something delivered to another hospital and the services of the Blood Bank the Blood Bike South will come in so continue good luck they're doing fantastic unbelievable work 1850 we're going to take a break and we're back uh, chatting with the wonderful Neve Kavanagh who joins me live in the studio Court today on C103 with a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go Shortcastle Street Mallow open seven days for smokeless coal turf kiln dried wood and gas lowcostfuel.ie get weekly news event updates and community information from across Cork with our regional reports on c 103 I.E. From Bantry to Buttevant to Hallow to Dunmanway and every area in between, we've got it covered. To listen, go to c103.ie and click Regional Reports or download the C103 app and click Podcasts. Regional Reports, only on C103. Now, on Saturday, March the 21st, the Everyman Theatre will host The Illegals, a show that will take you on a journey of soulful harmonies, exciting riffs, blistering guitars and unforgettable songs. The star of The Illegals is Neve Kavanagh and she joins me live in studio. Uh, good morning to you. Good morning. And it's, it's terrific to have you in studio. Now, talk about the show. It combines the music of The Eagles and Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Describe the show to me well, and how now, it all came about. Let's be honest here now, Patricia. We're not trying to be them. Never okay. in a million years am I going to be, you know, Christy McVie or Stevie Nicks. I mean, we sing so beautiful we love this music and we sing this great music there's four singers in the band so you really get all that lovely close harmony work and great energy and there's lots of guitars to be honest you fall over the stage there's so many guitars so if you like guitars you're definitely going to enjoy that you know you can see play people but we we as musicians really we want to celebrate the music itself okay. and um, th- they combine very well actually because obviously of the time they would have been doing and you know Don Henley and Stevie Nicks would have done a few songs together and things like that but actually also they influenced they were kind of represent the time of the you know that kind of time that energy but still people love them now and so we find they're timeless oh they are and you know we do a a long show it's about two and a half hours now you get a chance to go to the toilet in the middle it's very important (laughs) because I'm the baby and I'm 52 right in this band so we need to stop ourselves like but the thing is it's quite a long show but when you go to do the set every year and you try and bring in some new songs or songs that you want to do 
some have to go out and then there's a row because you know there are some songs you have to do you have to do Lion Eyes you've got to do Hotel California you've got to do Go Your Own Way you've got to and, and yeah. you've got to you've got to and so you, you don't have a lot of manoeuvre but it doesn't matter the energy is phenomenal on stage with, for the music but also you know because as a show we do kind of we show uh, slides behind us and all this but actually there's great banter on the show as well because we've been friends for a long time okay. and the crack is mighty so you'll come and you'll be encouraged to sing and have the crack and really yeah, enjoy it because I was going through a lot of the songs yesterday and I mean a lot of the songs are mm. they're sing-along songs oh 100% you know what I mean you, you, I mean if you're not roaring by the end of this like you know I mean there are certain songs Lion Eyes wrecks the house every night I don't yeah. understand the women love it yeah. to, they have it in the te- it's about cheating women but they just absolutely can't help themselves and they you love see, it. it's, it's, it's the generation it's the song we grew up with so we know all the words yeah so oh you no, just, and you're encouraged it's not, it, we're not formal in this gig right obviously yeah. you're going to be polite and sit and obviously in this day and age you're not allowed to touch other people yeah. but you can but you can actually come and enjoy it and be involved in the gig and feel a part of it and we find that people come because they like the Eagles or, or Fleetwood Mac and sometimes yeah. they like one or the other but they usually find that they like all the stuff because they're, you're doing kind of the greatest hits but also what we find is people stay because they like the banter of us and the energy plus you know if you were to go and see those two bands together it would cost you a fierce amount of money and it's only 25 euros absolutely like. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bargain and how long have you been running with this? Well I mean, I've, I actually met my husband through this band 20 years ago 22 years ago actually uh, it was only occasional but the band as this in, um, entity is about 10-12 years running okay. it's a labour of love really for us I still do all my other work and there's other yeah. stuff I do and, and obviously you'll see me turn up in, in relation to certain events like that might be imminent um, but actually I, I, you the know, Eurovision i.e. the Eurovision but actually um, I we, we love this we do about 20-30 dates we pick our theatres and I've been encouraging them for years to come to Cork because I love Cork I absolutely love it and People, the everyman is just a oh, gorgeous I love the venue I love the venue I'm so excited now I know there might be closures but actually I encourage people to book the tickets I mean yeah. if, if it works that it isn't coming sure listen you know we'll work it out yeah. but the point is I think you, you need to kind of keep moving and encouraging these venues and stuff I, I'm very much a big advocate for all these venues you know go find out what's in your local theatres and your music your um, venues go support them absolutely musicians theatre whatever it is because you'll never get a night like it and you'll have the crack and then go to a local cafe or something and support them you know the truth is that's what keeps the energy of things going and the more you do that the more people will come you know so uh, in my mind I'm coming next week we're okay. grand and we're high risk now to be ever we're old it's, people it's one It's one night only isn't it it's, yes just yeah, the one it's yeah. Saturday week the, just the, Saturday week the so I, the more you come to see us then the, then we get the then I get to bring them going. back and, and I know you love coming to court. I love it and Mill Street. Mill Street. Have you been back to Mill Street? Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, yes, we celebrated my 21st anniversary there. We went back uh, to Mill Street. I love Mill Street. Uh, I don't get there as often as I'd like because uh, I live up in Carrigvergus past Belfast. But the husband brought me up there 20 odd years it's ago. It's a long journey to uh, Mill love Street. brings you terrible places, yeah. like I tell you. <laughs> uh, it added 100 miles onto my journey everywhere. <laughs> you know, but uh, the roads are better now, which is good. But yeah. actually, I love Mill Street and I love all the people of it and the energy of it. And uh, when people talk about Mill Street, they, they even you know I met a uh, Deb Blake Knox who was involved in the production of it, and we talk about you know the energy of the people, even the the, the crew that worked it, anybody who was involved in it, the, the smile on their face because Mil- they feel like Mill Street was everybody's win. That's yeah. what, for me. That's what yeah. what it is like. And could you at the time go back when mm. you qualified? 
And yeah. can you remember when you heard, oh, by the way, it's going to be staged in Mill Street? I mean, did you even know? Had, had you I ever don't think I really dialed in now, to be you? honest. Because I, I only found out I was going to do the song kind of late December. Jimmy had approached me then and uh, then we were selected. And then at that time, you sang on Kenny Live. Do you remember Kenny Live? Every yeah. Saturday night. And then they drew people out of the hat at the beginning of January who was going to be first on on the 16th of January. And of course, Sod's Law was us like. And we had no back and track. We'd no singers selected nothing done for it and we'd literally had 10 days and Frank McNamara and I went into a studio for a day or two and and came up with this arrangement I mean Frank did an amazing job and then we we hustled together whatever backing singers who weren't actually booked and you know it was like oh my gosh and we sang it for the first time on the 16th of January I think that's in my head and so when I actually won the national final which I wasn't expecting to do I had told my manager in the bank, you know, I'm doing this thing on Sunday night, this TV thing. I might be in late. Can I take Monday? Of course, you were working in the bank. I'd forgotten that. I was, uh, yeah, yeah. They I were rage and they I'm, didn't get the old marks yeah, around me. Yeah. <laughs> I'd forgotten that you were in the bank, yeah. I know, but it's funny, actually, I was in the bank when I did and the commitments as well. I went to the Grammys yeah. in 92 uh, on my split week off. I, they said to me, what did you do the weekend? I said, well, actually, oh, I flew so to New York and sang <laughs> the Grammys. <laughs> But I'm back in tonight. So how's the how's the programmes running? You know, I just I, that's how I, they were so used to it. They didn't I expect know. it. But actually, um, yeah, I, I, I wasn't aware that it was coming to Mill Street. And okay. the first time I came down was on the train. They brought us all down with a load of, um, you know, uh, reporters and whatnot. And I think if I'm right, either the end of March or the end of April, or no, it must be the end of March, right? Because it was about six weeks before the contest. Yeah. And we all came down on the train. And of course, we came as far as Mallow. Yeah. And we got off the train there yeah. and across on yeah. the special train to, yeah. to Mill Street. And we were brought on a grand tour of Mill Street uh, where they told us they were delighted they were getting footpaths on both sides. They the did. And it, I mean, the developments, they were showing us all the developments and I fell in love with Mill Street and yeah. the whole to me it gave me such love right and uh, it was still the the horse riding thing yeah. at the time so they were uh, the digger was in because they had to actually dig out six feet of the floor to make it in and you know Noel C said whatever you need you, you can have and uh, fair play to him and honestly uh, we went and enjoyed that whole thing and from that moment I felt I belonged there and so to win there really for me, was like everybody won. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I, I can't yeah. describe that there enough was, because there, it there really was like that. Because absolutely was that. People that were sense. so devoted in it. And the song to this day, oh yeah, it it has really stood the test of time. Yeah, it's a great song. Jimmy Isn't wrote it? a fantastic song, and even now, when I go out into Europe, people talk about it. You know, and there's been lots of songs since. And you know, we have we've places in our heart for a lot of Eurovision songs, whether we know it or not. But actually, in your eyes. Oh, it stands on its own. Yeah. It, I have sung it without the hysterics, as I call it, at the end. And still, it's a great song, you know. And there's a moment when you sing it on a gig sometimes. Now, I don't do it necessarily in the illegals, but I sing it in my own thing. And, and my husband and I do a thing called Date Night, which is just the two of us, an acoustic guitar and Mr. Elvin himself. And we sing In Your Eyes as part of it. And it doesn't matter that there isn't a big production. It's still just a beautiful song yeah, about yes. taking a chance on love and understand about yearning. And, and I think people are, just feel connected to it. Yeah, you know? it's cool. And, and I can see text. Yes, I am going to play it. I mentioned it earlier <laughs> that you were coming out. Are you going to play in your eyes? I am. In yes, I am. Eyes. I have it here in front of me. I am going to play it. Well, we, we've got another couple of minutes to I chat. Know. You mentioned um, your husband, mm-hmm. Paul. Yeah. 
Uh, when I, you were in the opera house in Cork, I know nearly two years ago now. Yeah, a year and a half. Yeah, you got. Tell us what happened. Well, it's funny actually. I was on stage um, uh, doing the Eurovision show with P- uh, Paul Harrington, Charlie McGeskin, and Linda Martin. We were doing uh, this, you know, celebration yeah. of Eurovision songs. Yeah. And the, the second half, there's like the, I did my spot uh, with puppet on the string and all the things, and then Linda and Paul and Charlie did their spot. So I had about six or eight songs, and I noticed a text from my son who basically said, "Can you let me?" Can you ring me mum and that's usually for a lift because he's never he doesn't listen very well so he once rang me when I was in Portugal yeah, for three days three days after I'd left for a lift right so <laughs> so anyway I rang him I says I, I can't give you a lift son yeah. and he said no dad's away in, in an ambulance because he had a stroke my husband had a stroke and that's a blood clot he had an ischemic stroke yeah. um, so that's a bit of a thing to hear well, and I had to go back out and sing um, Waterloo and making your mind up which is a thing hundreds of miles away from home as well hundreds of miles there was a big storm I think it might have been Isaac coming through at the time or whatever it was called and we couldn't they were saying don't travel so I said there's no point in me ending up in a ditch she's safe in the hospital I rang the hospital couldn't tell me much obviously and I travelled up the next day and then we had to really the main difficulty for him was aphasia which is basically access to the speech and for someone who was a journalist and a, a photographer and a singer that's quite a thing to be dealing with but we worked very hard with speech therapy he was amazing because he didn't take any of his ego in and he, he still has occasional problems with it and things that you do have with stroke sometimes you have focus issues and stuff like that but he's doing really well but we've had to work pretty hard at and it and did it come out of the blue yeah totally totally now I would looking back I go oh he was sleeping more that's what he got coming in from yeah. work he was falling asleep on the chair but to be fair he might have been doing that for a long time it's easy to say yeah it definitely came out of the blue No, it was no indication as such and thankfully the boys knew all the questions to ask him when he came in he he came into them in the, in the room and he said he couldn't make a sentence and he was he was just a bit disorientated and they had him in an ambulance within half an hour these are two boys that have been given out murder because they wouldn't pick their pants off the floor and what, right? what, age, what age are the boys <laughs> there's well at that time well they're 17 and 19 now so they were like 15 <laughs> and 17 wow, at the time wow but they knew and I'm assuming from those ads on the TV you know what you F-A-C-T. do F-A-C-T. Yeah, F-A-C-T. And, and you need yeah. to so he's okay he's, yeah he's, he's, he's flying he's like actually in the illegals so I give Great. him dogs abuse on stage so it's worthwhile okay. coming along to see that alone if, if nothing uh, else yeah, yeah no yeah. The, the crack is 90 and so for me you know it's joyful now but for maybe a year after you're still watching him and Tough, you're still keeping yeah. an eye and I'm sure people you know lots of people have strokes lots of people have, you know I'm, I'm not diminishing this I think people understand that when something like that happens in a family it happens to everybody not just the one person absolutely and so absolutely. you know the thing is I, his energy is phenomenal but it takes a bit of understanding from everybody but I always say to him just say it to people that you have had it and then it, they can adjust for that. It doesn't diminish who he is as a person. You know, he's still that intelligent he's person. He's still Paul. He's still Paul, yeah. uh, you, you know, still funny, still got the jokes. You might have to wait longer for the punchline occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, you, you dutifully do. <laughs> and you, you had your own health issues. You had the, Yeah, the, the I had thyroid. my thyroid yeah. taken out about yeah. two about three years ago. And uh, I mean, the main issue about that, I mean, obviously the, the problem with that is when I had a goiter. So my thyroid swo- was swollen. Yeah. And basically the cyst had grown so big it was pressing on my um, airways. Now luckily it was benign so they were able to just remove the thyroid. But what that means... near your vocal cords. Vocal cords. Wow. And luckily they had slipped in behind so the surgeon had said... Now she was very good to me. Now she, you know, 
in the sense that there was a worry that, that I could have damaged it. And then what happens is you can't change pitch. So that's the end of singing for me. And for someone like oh, me, like yeah. singing is like breathing, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's so much more than just the actual I earn my money at it. It's actually like part of my mental health, really singing, you know. And the thing about that is that um, it was a bit of a worry. But, you know, you have to live, you know, there's, mm. if you're not breathing, you're not singing either. Let me tell you. So um, we went in and she said to me, now, don't you worry, we'll be very careful and we'll go in very. And I was, you know, yes, OK. And then she says to me, but don't worry, I'll put the scar in that lovely crease in your neck. <laughs> So what can you say to that? It's only, it's, only a f- it's only a female consultant. It's only a female consultant who would understand that. Listen, it's an absolute <laughs> pleasure to have had you in in studio. Uh, tickets for the illegals are on sale yeah. at uh, the the everyman.ie. One night only, March the the twenty first. Enjoy it because that's, that's what it's about as well. And a uh, real pleasure to have had you. I can see lots of people saying uh, to how much they remembered you in uh, Mill, Mill Street. And the committee spoke very highly of you. Uh-huh. The committee in Mill Street. I look about the same that. as well, yeah. Patricia. You look exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you look exact. And here is the song that you're all requesting. Here is Neve Kavanagh and In Your Eyes. Thanks for that, Neve. Thank you. Showing no emotion, my feelings locked inside. I made myself an island, trying to take my heart and hide. Built a wall
You just couldn't tire of that song, could you? That is the wonderful Neve Kavanagh in your eyes. One night only, Saturday week at the Everyman, if you want to uh, catch up with Neil. Real pleasure to have had uh, Neve in studio. OK, we're going to take a break. We have news at 12 midday on the way. Peter Dowdle answers your gardening questions. If there's something you want checked out, well, what's going on in the garden? Let us know. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Cork today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Call and collect or get seven-day delivery for those cosy nights in. Lowcostfuel.ie C103 Anthems. Anthems. Weekday mornings from 9 and evenings at 7. Cork's greatest hits. C103. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Thank you to a lot of people who were really delighted to hear us have uh, the lovely Neve Kavanagh in studio. And, you know, we finished up the chat. She said, I could have stayed chatting all day. And I said, I said the very same thing. She's so easy to talk to. Anthony in uh, Limerick said, love that song in your eyes. It was uh, brilliant to hear Neve on the programme today. Uh, wish her well with her show. And someone else says, Patricia, I attended dress rehearsals for the Eurovision Song Contest back in 1993 when Neve Kavanagh won. And I knew when I heard Neve sing In Your Eyes that day that she was going to win. It was such a wonderful song and it was sung so beautifully by Neve. That's from John in Mill Street. Thank you for that, John. Actually, I remember that day well. I did an, a sh- I broadcasted a show in the afternoon live from Mill Street. The Eurovision was on on the Saturday night and I was there from two until six in the afternoon and there was a dress rehearsal on uh, that day and uh, PJ Coogan of our neighbouring parish he was covering the event for us he was covering the dress rehearsal and I remember after Neve sang he came back to the little studio that we had up in Mill Street and he said he predicted there and then that she was going to win and, and he said I'm telling you he said I've heard her sing it he said it's incredible and when she hits that note at the end he said she's, she's, she's going to win she's going to win and uh, she did and it was great and it was one of those we've had many great wins well, seven wins in total at the Eurovision but I think Neve and her song and, um, and I said to her I'm not just saying it because you're sitting, sitting here in front of me but I just think it's of all of the winning songs and we've had some wonderful and some great songs have won Eurovision over the years and some woeful songs have won Eurovision over the years but I do think that Neve Kavanagh's In Your Eyes stands out and will always stand out as, as one of the best it's kind of like one of those timeless songs almost isn't it it really is terrific 1850 can you get your questions in for Peter Dowdle please because Peter will join us after half past 12 today so if you've got a question for Peter get it in to us and I'll put it on your behalf to Peter some of your texts and comments uh, coming in to us Uh, Hi Patricia could you please announce that the Rambling House due to take place tonight in Theo Park in Laba Malaga has been cancelled also the prayer meeting with Amal due to be held next Friday also uh, cancelled on behalf of the committee at Theo Park uh, Liam says, Patricia, my cousins are all heading over to racing in Cheltenham. The plane from Cork was booked out, so they ended up having to get a flight out from Dublin instead. Doesn't it just show you how many are flying over to Cheltenham? There's a lot of people not concerned at all about coronavirus. Well, obviously, somebody that is, is says, hi, Patricia, where can masks be got as I need to get some? Thanking you. You'll have 
great difficulty trying to get some of those masks. I don't know if there's any on sale. I saw a chemist shop in Dublin yesterday had a pack of 50 masks and they had them on sale for €150, which would work out at €3 a mask. Crazy, crazy sum of money. I don't know. And I don't know why you need to buy them. We have been told by all of the experts that it's not going to give you any additional cover if you're using the mask in the hope of not getting COVID-19. They do work for anyone that has been diagnosed with COVID-19 to stop them spreading the droplet infection. But if you want to wear one in the hope that it'll protect you, you're wasting your time and you're certainly at €150 for a pack of 50 you'll be wasting your time you'll be wasting your money as well but uh, but I, I literally I don't I don't know of any place locally if anybody knows where masks are on sale reasonably priced please uh, can you let us know uh, 1850 Hi Patricia our school haven't even mentioned coronavirus to the children there's no alcohol gels inside in the school I can't understand why there isn't a hand washing programme in schools every morning and at eating times to be honest as this texter I don't know why they do it all year round. I'm also hearing uh, about how someone coughed and sneezed in my face and didn't wash their hands after the toilet. Our school is still going swimming as well. And swimming seems to be causing a problem for a number of people, even though I haven't, I'm trying to do some research on it, I haven't heard that any dangers, additional dangers by going to a swimming pool. But a listener says, I feel we need to close swimming pools and children's indoor play centres immediately. Surely the humid conditions in these swimming pools and children's indoor playgrounds are breeding ground for all infections and especially uh, viruses. Joanne in Dumanway says football now. This is just silly, says Joanna. Players have been advised not to shake hands with their opponents before a game begins. But when a player scores a goal, what happens? All the other players hug and kiss each other and sure they're delighted with each other. Then after the game, it's all handshakes and pats on the back all round. Daft or what, says Joanna from Dermanway. You either introduce something or you don't introduce uh, something. And here's... uh, an amazing text in from Sheila it says Hi Trish I went into lockdown six days ago haven't got the virus but I'm determined not to get it I live alone and I haven't seen a human being since last Friday at lunchtime I'm not confined to one room and I go out around the fields with the dog solitude isn't as bad as you might think it's a great time to refocus I'm treating it like a bit of a retreat with spa baths etc if those who need to self-isolate would there would be less people out there spreading it and those who need to be out would have a better chance of avoiding infection says uh, Sheila you've got a wise head on your shoulders there Sheila if we could just get the people who have it or who think they have it to self-isolate yeah we certainly would stop certainly would stop the spread of it and then there's a couple of people on about I'm trying to bunch them uh, together here with C in, in particular with CUH Um, Hi Patricia, how come we've only two people waiting on trolleys at uh, CUH? What have they done with all of the other people and with so many nurses been sent home says Mags, what is going on there? And somebody else is making the same point, putting this out there how come the amount of people on trolleys in our hospitals have come down in numbers even though we have COVID-19? Now I did read one of the reasons that there are less people turning up at the A&E department people are only going to the A&E department if absolutely necessary, I think people are too afraid to be admitted to hospital for fear they might pick up 
an, an, an infection or a virus while in there. And doctors seemingly are slow to refer people. They're trying to sort of triage them at home and keep them at home rather than send them in. So that is one of the reasons why we're seeing less and less people turn up at our accident and emergency uh, departments. The texter who made that point also says I'm also listening about our publicans who are giving out that they're going to lose money because all of the St. Patrick's Day parades have been cancelled. Can I remind them that there's a long summer there do they not think of that? Uh, someone else is back on about the cruise liner season begins on Friday. Some of those liners, this is Una, some of those liners can have 4,000 people coming from countries all over the world. They'll visit Cove and they'll take tours all over the region and visit shops, restaurants, etc. While we welcome these visits from the cruise ships, I wonder are the passengers screened, etc. before they will disembark. What about all the trouble in Japan? These people are visiting many countries and they're living in very close proximity. What is the policy for these visits? Read the port of Cork and the HSC. These liners have the population of a small town. Thanking you, says Una. Well, You've obviously just joined us, Una, because we did mention this at the top of the programme when we had a few calls in from people. So we got on to the Port of Cork, particularly about the fact that we knew there was a cruise liner coming in to the Port of Cork on Friday. It's the Sage Sapphire is due to port, due into port on Friday. And the Port of Cork tell us that the schedule remains in place and that in a statement the Port of Cork said that they're following all necessary guidelines from the HSC. We don't know what the necessary guidelines are so we don't know would everybody's temperature be checked for example would that be possibly something that they are doing and I'm assuming anyone on a cruise ship is being monitored constantly by the medical personnel on the cruises because we know we've seen so many cruises get affected by the coronavirus and I think Una is right is because they all sort of live in close close proximity to each other when you're cruising around the world. So as of now, cruise ships are still going to dock in Cove and in uh, Cork. Frank wants to know, people are calling for the cancellation of this and that and there was a huge big thing about the cancellation of the parades and people are saying schools should close and all of that. Frank wants to know, and he's just putting it out there, has anybody suggested that public houses should close? I certainly haven't heard anybody mention that, Frank. While someone else wants to know, Patricia, do you know if the students race day at the Cork Racecourse is going ahead in Mallow. It's due to be held on the 26th of March. We've heard nothing to say that it's been cancelled. So I would say it is going ahead as uh, is. Uh, we certainly haven't had any word in to say that that has been cancelled. That could change, though. It's one of these. This is a kind of a, a revolving uh, story and it is... It's changing almost on a daily basis. So, I mean, you just, if you're planning on going to something, I suggest you you go unless you hear that it has been cancelled. For example, Clondrohid Bingo, that's going ahead tonight at half past eight. Somebody earlier wanted to know, was Newtown Bingo going ahead tonight? If somebody could let us know about Newtown Bingo, is that going ahead or not this uh, week? Jude wants to know, is it more ben- beneficial to wash your hands in hot water or cold water. I was always led to believe that the temperature of the water didn't matter as long as you were doing it properly and you were using the soap, etc. But all of the advice that I've seen since COVID-19 has come out has said to use warm or hot water. And you need, on the Claire Byrne show the other night, they were showing, they had an expert in showing how to wash your hands. And you need to work it into a really good lather in your hands. And there's that thing about 
singing happy birthday twice that's the duration of the time that you should be washing your hands you need to get in between your fingers you need to make sure your thumbs and your nails that you give it a good uh, wash but you need to get up a good lather and they were suggesting to to do hot uh, water and John in Canturk says bring back the disinfectant mats that we had before for foot and mouth that might curtail coronavirus don't think it will it was that was the foot and mouth was a very different issue that we were dealing with and it was affected animals not humans and because this is it's not airborne it does land on surfaces oh you might have yeah people could bring it in on their feet if somebody coughed and it was all over the ground and then somebody walked on a disinfected mat. So maybe, maybe there's some sense in your suggestion, John. And Bridget in Charleville says, she says, as the, she went into the supermarket the other day, it was Aldi, and she said she couldn't help but notice that the toilet rolls are running low inside in Aldi. But then she noticed that there was a lot of wool on sale inside in Aldi. They're doing a kind of a special and you know they're, they're middle aisles that has all the specials and wool is in at the moment and Bridget said you know what I'll do I'm going to buy myself some wool now my initial reaction was and I had to check with John Paul because she phoned John Paul it's Bridget knitting toilet rolls but she's not but what she's decided to do she's going to sit in the porch there's got that lovely sun that's shining in on top for so she's going to be nice and warm and she's going to knit her way through the coronavirus uh, crisis and you could be doing worse things Bridget that's for sure uh, send in a photograph w- with whatever you knit at the end I'd love to see it 1850 John Paul taking your calls we are particularly looking for gardening questions for Peter Dowdle please text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council supporting businesses supporting communities serving Cork visit corkcoco.ie The blood transfusion service. They have got donor clinics in the Fernhill House Hotel in Clonakilty. They're there from 5pm until 8.30 today and again tomorrow 3 to 5 in the afternoon and 7 to 9 tomorrow night and please if you can give blood they are they're really going to need it now more than ever. There will be a used clothes collection in aid of Gagan Hall Car Park at later dates to be announced but the reason we're mentioning it now is they want local people to start their collections clothing, shoes, bags, belts duvet covers, curtains and good quality soft toys, no pillows, no duvets or plastic uh, toys Last chance to see Tully Lee's drama group presentation of Pretend Six Sick is a three-act comedy and it's on tomorrow Thursday 8 o'clock in Tully Lee's Hall, don't uh, miss it. Mallow Rotary Club they've got a pub quiz on Tomorrow night, half past eight, Albert Lynch's bar, tables of four, 40 euro, proceeds going to help end polio worldwide. And Glen Theatre in Bantir are presenting Fruitcake by Alice Barry. It's a night with the wonderful Mary McAvoy. Uh, and we've interviewed Mary about that show it's, it's a hoot she actually bakes a cake on stage and that's happening this Saturday Saturday at night at uh, 8 and the Kilmichael Bar Memory Tree fundraiser for Lichine's House will be held this Saturday 8 o'clock a speaker from Lichine's House will speak on suicide awareness and mental well-being personalised baubles will be on sale or you can bring on your own personal memories. Music is by no direction. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie C103 presents the Clonakilty Park Hotel West Cork Rally on March 14th and 15th in Clonakilty. <laughs> 
The cream of Irish and British rally stars come to take on the roads of West Cork. Action gets underway with the ceremonial start in Clonakilty Town Centre on Friday night, March 13th. Clonakilty Park Hotel West Cork Rally. Fun and excitement for all the family. March 14th and 15th in Clonakilty with Cork's greatest hits, C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Keep your calls and texts coming in for Peter, uh, please. And just let me run down through a few more uh, texts that have come in. One that made me smile. I'm out in the field today in West Cork, says this texter, working away, just sitting down, eating my lunch, sitting in the dirt. Uh, People's immune systems are so weak these days. They've wrapped up they've wrapped themselves up so they haven't built up a natural immunity. There's nothing like a bit of dirt on your hands while you're eating your lunch in the fine fresh air and the sweet smell of cow slurry. (laughs) Says a Dexter. You know, you you could be right. You could be right. There's a generation of children I think who've grown up who've never been exposed to any kind of viruses because we've all gone neurotic about buying sprays to to clean every surface going so there isn't a, that natural immunity that would have been there for previous uh, generations yeah you could be right are CUH sending patients to the South Infirmary I'll get John Paul they are John Paul said they are somebody said I just heard th- just something I heard yes they are John Paul has confirmed uh, that now I don't know if this is to do with remember somebody said where can I get a mask where can masks be got and I was wondering why you would need a mask and I was saying you know if you're buying it thinking it's going to protect yourself, it won't. They're, they're particularly good if you have COVID-19 and you think you have COVID-19 and you're sneezing or coughing to make sure that your droplets don't go everywhere. I've just did a text in from somebody to say, Dr. Leader's surgery in Bohabui are not allowing anybody into the surgery without a mask. You have to go back down to the local pharmacy in Bohabui to buy a mask. And this listener is wondering what happens when that chemist runs out of masks? Will you not be able to go to the doctor's surgery at all then? Now that's the first. Uh, we, I get John Paul to get on to that practice and just find out what's the theory behind that. Is it just for people who are presenting with cold and flu symptoms? Because I know we've the advice is not to turn up at a doctor's surgery without an appointment to ring and let the doctor decide to go through your, your symptoms. So we'll, we'll get on to the surgery and we'll just find out what that is all about and why they're insisting that people turn up wearing uh, a mask. Um, Hi Patricia, how are you doing? I just want to comment on the piece on the news bulletin on visitor restrictions at nursing homes. I would completely agree with the decision of all nursing homes organisations who have now restricted visiting. As in the main, nursing home residents are by and large one of the most vulnerable groups in society who all have, let's face it, underlying conditions are in the main very frail. Surely You'd seriously have to question the judgment of the chief medical officer of this country who is saying that those restrictions are not necessary. Surely all precautions that are sensible have to be taken to stop this country becoming another epidemic like we see initially. This is where the lack of political leadership comes in. We need leadership, not weak people like we have at the moment. And I think Tony Houlihan yesterday, I heard him, I was kind of taken aback when he said that some of the restrictions that they're almost he was saying they were too severe and we don't need them. And then he kind of said we don't need them yet. And I'd be off that, I'd be off your, your thinking as well. We don't need them yet. So you're saying we will at one stage need it. Why not get in now? So to stop that we will never need it, that we'll have put it in place 
so that we don't get to a stage where there's a big panic and we end up like Italy and we have to lock down the whole country. So I am, now I do understand older people inside the nursing homes and we don't want anybody feeling isolated and, you know, hopefully the staff will be doing the very best that they can to make sure that people in nursing homes are not feeling lonely because their family members can't get in to see them. And don't forget the phones. You can always ring people as well. And I'm sure lots of nursing homes have good broadband. You can FaceTime people. You know, there's lots of other ways that we can contact people as well. Just keep in contact with them. I think that is probably the most important thing we can do for our loved ones who are in nursing homes at the moment. Okay. And a quick look down through some of your WhatsApps coming in and a lot of WhatsApps. Um, Little in McCroom have closed their customer toilet and putting a notice up saying customers have to ask, ask staff if they need to use the toilet. Why have they done that, Patricia? I'm not surprised by that. That's that's common in a lot of, certainly the German retailers, there's usually a lock and it's a staff member has to open up the door. So I'm assuming that that's got, that's got nothing, I'd say, to do with COVID-19. I'd say that's just completely a policy that's in place as I say in a lot of the German retailers and they probably just introduced it into uh, McCroom. Hi, just wondering if we should wear gloves while sympathising at a uh, funeral. We've had various advice coming in on that. I I mentioned one funeral home in Kerry are stopping people uh, shaking hands. Again, I think we're very good about sympathising at funerals. If you're afraid or nervous or whatever, just bring some hand sanitizers. Do your sympathising and then have your hand sanitizer we- ready. Use it. Don't touch your face. Don't touch your eyes, your nose, um, anywhere. In case you pick up the virus, that it can go into your in your nose, in your nose, in your mouth, or into your eyes. And then when you get home, just wash your hands. I think that's probably the best thing that you can uh, do. Mary says, hi Patricia, just been to Tesco, not a toilet roll in sight. I think they should have a limit on every on every person. It's not fair. And I'm assuming Mary's in need of toilet paper. People need to stop bulk buying uh, it. That's a p- one for Peter. We'll hold off on that. Uh, someone else says, hi Patricia, not a toilet roll in sight in shops in Recroom yesterday evening. That's from Eileen we're all gone mad. Mary says people in pubs don't ever wash their hands. It's disgraceful. Maybe, they, maybe they'll start doing it now. Uh, can you find out if Bingo's on in Newtown tomorrow night? Oh, sorry. Um, uh, we've asked. We've put the call out if somebody can tell us. Can somebody confirm that it's on, please? Because I know we have the list of cancellations and it's certainly not on the list of cancellations at the moment. On the coronavirus, there are people out there, says a texter, that are dying of cancer and MS and all kinds of different sicknesses. And what are the government doing about it? Nothing. But when a flu-like virus, i.e. corona, arrives in, they suddenly are able to find millions to put into the HSE. What is that all about? Mary, different Mary says, Patricia, I'm going to Legoland in August. This is Legoland in the UK. Should I cancel yours, says Mary? Um, Again, that's going to be an individual choice. I wouldn't be cancelling it at the moment. I mean, if there was something you were doing in Italy in the next month, you'd have no choice but to cancel because you couldn't get in, in or out. Hopefully. What I'm banking on and really hoping is that by August, we'll be talking about coronavirus in the past and be saying we need to prepare for it in the winter coming up. The experts are saying that if this coronavirus follows the normal seasonal flu, which they're thinking it will do, then it will disappear in the summer months and then it will resurrect itself in the winter months and we should all get a bit of a respite from it and the hope would be that in the meantime they'll come up with some kind of a vaccine even though I was listening to experts talking about the vaccine that they're working at the moment 
the vaccine certainly won't be ready for next winter. It'll be the winter after before we'll definitely have a vaccine for COVID-19. But we should get a respite from it. It should disappear in the summer as the normal seasonal flu does and then it'll come back again and hopefully we'll be a bit, little bit better prepared than we were this year when it comes uh, next winter. So I'd be, I, my personal opinion, Mary, would be no. Now you might get somebody else who'll tell you something completely different and cancelled, but certainly in the UK at the moment, um, while they have more cases than we have here, they haven't shut down the United Kingdom. That's not to say that they won't do it in the future. Tom says, Patricia, the toilet at the Martin McCroom is a total disgrace. It's dirty, all cobwebs, hasn't been painted for years. They don't have running water in the urinal, no hand dryer, a heap of dirty blue hand paper, the height of the hand basin. There's only this is the only toilet for the farmers who use the mark who use the mart have to use and they're the ones who keep the mart in business. The staff by the way have modern toilets in their own building. It simply is not good enough, says Tom. And particularly with everything that's going on with COVID nineteen and we all trying to keep up to date with our hand washing I would suggest Tom that the farmers complain and that they say it to the powers that be smarten up your act please and clean up your toilets Hi Patricia says another texter it's incredible that so many people are attending the Cheltenham races are those people that are going going to isolate themselves from their families when they come home and their friends and their work colleagues on their return Simon Coveney feels this disease can be contained using the Chinese methods but it's but he is failing to implement them the general consensus from the public is that everything should be closed down why are they delaying the inevitable leaving us all to have as much regrets as Italy must be experiencing now we need to follow the lead and we need everything needs to be closed down okay 1850 let me park it all there and my apologies if I didn't get to all your texts and comments uh, today but I'm going to take a break and we're back chatting with Peter Dowdle answering all of your gardening questions Cork today on C103 with a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go Short Castle Street Mallow open seven days for smokeless coal turf kiln dried wood and gas lowcostfuel.ie We've given away a VIP trip to New York with amigoloans.ie on C103 Oh, it's ready, it's ready It's ready, it's ready Okay, here we go Here we go Is it you? Hello? Uh, Hi there, is that Alan O'Sullivan? It is indeed Alan, it's Simon and Patricia here from C103 Alan Hi Alan They're going to New York City When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Stay tuned for our next big giveaway on Cork's Greatest Hits. C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. 
Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. And we got on to Dr. Leader's surgery in Bohabui and yes, they've confirmed that all patients attending the surgery, you are required to wear a mask and you need to sanitise on the way in. So that has been uh, confirmed. And we also had that the bingo in Cantark has been cancelled for uh, tonight. Let's just leave it all there and go and distract ourselves completely by joining Peter Dowdle, our resident uh, gardener. Good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, Patricia. How are you? I'm I'm very well. We're trying to just stop to, stop, stop thinking of uh, coronavirus for a while and get straight into a lot of questions uh, coming in. Because now I know there's a lot of rain forecast for this afternoon and squally showers and all of that, but it, it was a beautiful morning. It was a kind of a lovely spring morning there this morning. It was. And I think we're all kind of hoping for some good weather, talking about coronavirus and hoping that maybe the high temperatures might slow it down. But who knows? I don't know. But yeah, it was a lovely morning and we're definitely coming into the spring now. We're not, I suppose, in spring proper now. But the problem is, there's still always, and this is, this is what happens this time of the year, Trish, we kind of get lulled, we can get lulled into a false sense of security. And I think, weren't you saying last week, the we're due a cold spell I think at the end of this week or Yeah and well it's kicking in I think from tonight I mean we're, we're, we're looking at sub-zero temperatures uh, tonight we're looking at showers of hail sleet and even snow and tomorrow's going to be a bitterly cold day as well Lovely yeah, yeah. So, yeah. and that's when anything kind of fr- now for anybody who's, who's thinking oh my daffodils are up or my tulips are up they're not going to be harmed by cold weather or frost or any amount of snow they'll be fine but anything anything herbaceous or any new growth on, on plants that, that has been put on uh, that will be vulnerable, all right. But don't worry if, if it does happen, it'll, it should only be temporary. Okay. Um, uh, this is more. Says, Hi, Trish. This is not quite a question for Peter, but just as a bit of a distraction from the coronavirus, I've got six golden finches eating happily out of my bird feeder, sitting watching that. Isn't that a lovely sight? Oh, uh, you entertain yourself all day looking out the window at them. And you can, yeah. There's something wonderful, isn't it? It's mesmerising almost to, to watch it. Okay. You know, I was at, just, sorry to interrupt, yeah. just going off the point just slightly, but I was at the, the Landscape Designers Association seminar in Dublin there last weekend, which was brilliant, of course, as always. But uh, the great speaker, Nigel Dunnett, in from England, and he, he was making the point, I suppose it's something we all maybe know, but it's only when you stop and somebody says it to you, that... Being, being watching something natural or being in a beautiful part of nature is a high energy experience because it's all immersive it appeals to all our senses it's not just something to look at and he, he was making the point that in our in a lot of gardens in inverted commas as opposed to natural spaces we feel like we're just standing there admiring whereas when you're in our, our viewing but when you're in a natural space it, there's much more to it because you've birds you've water you've fallen logs you've eaten it's all immersive and it was just such a very good point it's not just about sitting looking at the garden it's about all of nature all around you yeah it's all your senses because the smells and everything yeah the sights the sounds yeah it's terrific okay Helena for Peter is it too late to move a wedding tier tree it's about two feet high well if the forecast comes to pass that you've just said that it goes down to sub-zero again then you'll get away with it actually uh, because it's when it goes very cold like that and the roots are dormant that you want to move anything because inevitably when you take something out of the ground you're going to cause root damage and so the plant needs an opportunity to repair that damage before the active growth starts coming in the spring now that active growth has already started if you like so if we don't get a cold spell if we don't get sub-zero temperatures I'd leave it alone until November uh, and do it from November to February which is your ideal window to do it but if we are going to get a very cold week then you might just get lucky and get away with it Okay, hi uh, Patricia would you thank Peter Dowdle please for his recommendation of the company Back 
to black. They came to our house and did a fantastic uh, job. Um, uh, it's gone missing. They did a fantastic job. And I just want to thank Peter for recommending the company for for us. It is like new. We're delighted with it. Thanks again, they're, Peter. They're going to back to black. Are going to have to spark. Yeah, yeah. Program, <laughs> 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 they, they, like, we haven't had anybody say that they did a bad job. So, no, so, they are so very well good. done. I use them myself. They're very, very good. Yeah. Well done. Uh, hi, Peter. My roses were all buds, but. I cut them down as they were too high about two weeks ago. Now I don't see any new shoots on them. Did I do damage? They look like they're dead. No, they're not dead. Oh, no, great. no, you're okay. It, 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 like, whether the buds were on it from last year, which because it didn't get that cold this winter except the here and there, um, they may have been still on it from last year. They may have been this new, new, new growth from this year, new leaf buds or flower buds even from this year. Uh, whether or which you've done the right thing by cutting it back because you're going to strengthen that plant. You're going to, it'll lead to a healthier plant in the longer term, even in the short term of this, this year. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so no, the, the, the fact that it looks dead, it, don't worry, it's just still a bit early. Bud burst, we'd, we'd still expect bud burst to be a couple of weeks away, which is when the, the dormant winter buds, uh, come, leaf buds, now bud burst doesn't refer to the flowers as such, it's when the dormant leaf buds uh, come back into growth for the spring. It's, we're still a couple of weeks away, I think. Okay, is it too late to plant bare root roses? Says John. It's not. It's not too late to plant them, Trish, if you can get them. So, in other words, if you have some or if there's some available in your local garden centre, you can certainly plant away. Uh, but I wouldn't. So, bare root plants are plants which aren't grown in a pot. They're grown in a nursery, in a field in a nursery. They're lifted out of the field and then sold in bundles, normally of twenty or twenty-five. Um, so it's too late for anybody to lift them out of the ground for the same reason that I was talking about the, the wedding cake tree there earlier. It's too late to lift things out of the ground like that. Uh, but if you have them and if they're already out of the ground, then certainly not too late to plant them, no. Okay, somebody has something that I, Liz has something I can't pronounce. A golden, is it choicea? Yeah, you're spot on. Choicea. Uh, can I cut it back hard now um, or could it be moved? Yeah, again, being moved, if it's a large one, I'd, I'd err on the side of caution in that, if possible, leave it where it is. Because of my own experience, mature choices uh, don't like to be moved. And if you, if it needs to be moved, certainly don't do it now. Wait till November to February of the year when it's fast, fast asleep and cut it back hard before it. Um, can you cut it back hard now? Yes, you can. You won't kill the plant, but you will sacrifice the flowers. So I would wait. Um, it, 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 you'll, know, you'll know it if you see it, Trish. It's also called the Mexican orange blossom or the golden I've just I've just googled it. I do know it. Yeah, it's yeah, gorgeous. It's a lovely one. And it grows very big, though. It does. It can get to about five, five, six foot in height and about yeah. six, seven foot in width. So it's quite a big, a big plant, but it's really gorgeous. And the golden version is lovely because the, the leaf color is so bright. But the flowers are what it's all about. It's scented white flowers. So you really don't want to sacrifice them. Um, if it's absolutely necessary for some reason that you need to cut it back, you can do. You won't harm the plant, but you will sacrifice this year's flowers. Margaret says, could you ask Peter, what manure to put on rhubarb? It was good early last year and then it disimproved. Now, it looks good now, but can we do something to help improve it for this year? Well, if you remember This is the rhubarb, yeah. yeah, It started good and then they all died back. They faded away almost. was in trouble, yeah. Whatever the reason. Uh, I was putting it down last year, but I wasn't I wasn't conclusively putting it down, but I was wondering was last year's as a result of that that long hot summer of 2018. I wonder just was it an effect of that, and it, it could well have been. So we'll we'll hopefully get our answer this year if the rhubarb comes back well, because we certainly didn't have a long dry summer last year. So uh, in terms of a fertilizer, you could just get seaweed if you can get seaweed from the beach. It, it loves that. There's a, a product called Bio Gold as well. Bio Gold, I think it's Bio Gold Probiotic, which would be a good one to put on it. Our Bio Gold do a seaweed feed actually. That would be the one to put on it. 
like that. If you can get your own seaweed, great. If not, I would say go go get yourself a bottle of the BioGold seaweed and put that on it. Mary from Mallow wants to know, is it too early to move her geraniums out of the glass house? I would say, apropos of what you were saying there, that we're going to go to sub-zero tonight and over the next few nights, they definitely wait. Uh, if, if it, it's just, at this time of the year, Trish, it's just a question of keeping an eye on the forecast. They're kind of good to go now as soon as the temperatures are on the upward curve. And Differ Mary wants to know, how often should I put out lawn gold fertiliser? I'm using it to prevent moss on my lawn. And it is the best of all of them to prevent moss because it works with the pH of the soil. So the, traditionally we used to use sulphate of iron or products based on sulphate of iron to prevent moss. But what that does is it creates uh, a lower pH in the soil, which is conditions that moss loves, which brings us back into needing to reapply and reapply. With Lawn Gold, you're working with a product that increases the pH to create the optimum pH for grass growth, but then moss can't tolerate it. So that is, using the right product is half the battle. Uh, Lawn Gold do a range of products. Which one is designed for spring, one is designed for kind of midsummer, and one is designed for the autumn. So the, the differences in them are that your lawn needs different nutrients at different times of the year. At this time of the year, it's going to be quite high in nitrogen. Uh, and then all the way through to the winter where the nitrogen goes quite low and it's higher in phosphorus because you want good root development, but all the time maintaining that alkaline pH. So the, the, the long-winded answer to your question is you want to put it on three times a year, but you need to use the different ones. So you use the spring one in spring, the summer one in summer, and the winter one in winter. Uh, and then that, w- that will keep your lawn pretty tip-top shape. Paul wants to know, how, do, how does he prune raspberry bushes? What you do with raspberry bushes, where are we, March? It's getting a bit late, but it's definitely better late than, than not to do it at all. So you look at the canes that fruited last year, which would be a, a kind of foxy brown in colour towards the end of last year, and you remove them completely, you remove them down to ground level, and the ones that are green in colour, or would be, would have, they may be going brown now, but they would have been green in colour at the end of last year. So in other words, they're shoots that were produced last year. Those were green ones, which didn't produce fruit last year, should be left. So the ones that did produce fruit last year, remove. The ones that didn't, leave them there and they'll produce fruit this year. Ideally, you'd have done it before now, but it is definitely better late than, than not at all. Okay, I've just, somebody said, would, would Peter give the nod to going back to using dock leaves and clumps of grass as toilet paper, but you need to mind the hidden nettles? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, hi, Michael and Bantry wants to know: Could would Peter? Would you be able to recommend anybody who sells beehives? How do you go about buying a beehive? Your local beekeeping group, and there are lots of them around the place. So depending on where you live, but your local, I don't you know. The short answer is I can't recommend anybody. No, because I don't know of anybody. But uh, a quick ask around your your local area, you'll hear so and so keeps bees. I'll ask him, and that that's kind of how it happens. Uh, there. There's an awful lot of local beekeeping um, groups out there. What I'll do is, I'll actually, because it's a good question and I don't know the answer, so I'll put it up on social media, I'll put it up on the Irish Gardener on Facebook and I'll ask uh, where, where, who does them or where you can get them. And if that caller wants to have a look at the, the Irish Gardener page on Facebook, he'll, I imagine, see lots and lots of answers. Somebody will answer. Near somebody, him, yeah. somebody will come in. Yeah. Uh, Mary and Killa, she hasn't had daffodil, not one daffodil this year, not even one. She said, I always had them. I've had them for years. Nothing changed. Why this year? Uh, they weren't cut back. She let them die back in to the bulb, but none of them came out. Not one. Well, what's happened is, I'm a bit, I'm a bit uh, perturbed, if that's the correct word, because I've had somebody else ask me the same question in the last week or two, uh, the, the mature clumps of daffodils. So what, my, my best stab at the answer is that just that they've become blind, 
Uh, and what, what that means, as you know, Trish, is that the, the, the bulb under the ground has just become too congested. But would it be, would it be unusual that all of her daffodils have happened? It, yeah. it, it, is, it is and it isn't, because if you think about it, they were most likely all planted at the same time. So in a way, it's kind of normal enough that, uh, that it could happen. Now, I do remember in my own family home where I grew up, we had a big field of daffodils at the front and they were gorgeous. And I remember them in my childhood always being in full flower. And then in my teenage years, I remember them. They didn't go from full flower to zero over one year, but over two or three years, they certainly went from full flower, then minimizing down to zero. So it does happen quite quickly, but it did all happen to all the ones in the field. And of course, they were all planted at the same time. That does make sense. The, the only thing to do, I'm afraid, is, is lift them once the foliage has died back. You may still get a few flowers. It is still a bit early. Uh, but you may, well, I suppose it's not. We're in the middle of March. You want to be seeing them now. Um, but once the foliage has died back, which will probably be May time, lift them. Under the grounds, you'll see where you did have one or two bulbs that's now, that's now developed into a clump of maybe six or eight bulbs. Break them off into individual bulbs, replant them out again in the autumn. It is a bit of work, but it's so well worth it. And it's not every year. It's only every five or six years that you need to do it. So it's a bit of work then, but it, 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 it's worth it. OK, I can see. And we will hold off and maybe pick up on it next. There's a lot of people asking about moss, um, but we're not going to have time to get into it, but we might deal with it next uh, week. Hi, Patricia. My mother, God rest her, never put anything around her rhubarb, only the ashes out of the fire. We had yeah. a plantation of rhubarb. Yeah, and it's good advice, provided it's ash from wood, not coal. Wood ash, which is very high in potash and potassium, which is what um, uh, rhubarb likes, is absolutely great thing to mulch around the plants or even just to throw it in your compost bin yeah provided it's from wood not gold OK alright listen look are you uh, minding yourself with the coronavirus or are you just well, trying to act as normal as possible uh, both both because I have had obviously cancer in the past a few times I have been told by my, my doctor to be kind of particularly careful because as you know if you get sick there's no medicine so I'm yeah. a bit nervous like everybody else in the country a bit nervous but you still got to live your life but just everyone's got to take precautions and I'm still amazed at watching the amount of people who are not you know they're coughing without taking any action sneezing not, yeah. not sanitising their hands when it's available people need to wake up and realise that you know you know this is this is quite serious you know I know uh, and you can see uh, you uh, you almost recoil don't you if you're out somewhere and you see somebody coughing and sneezing and you realise they don't have good coughing etiquette well I've said it to somebody I have you somebody, well done yeah, absolutely I was in a lift and he started coughing and I, I won't give you the language, but I said, for F's sake, have you not been watching the news? You know? <laughs> I, I mean, people, I mean, Did he get really embarrassed? I, I wasn't being aggressive to him. I know. I, know by sound. I wasn't being aggressive, and in fairness, he took it as such. I think people just forget. They need to be reminded. We all forget, you know? But we just need to, we can't forget at the moment because there's vulnerable people amongst us all the time, you know? So yeah. we have to be careful. That's it, you know? that's it. We, if, yeah. we, if we all look out for each other, we'll all be okay. I mean, we'll that's, that's the whole yeah. thing, yes. Yeah, so yeah, it's trying yeah. to get people to stop panicking. All right, listen, yeah. thank you for that, and we'll chat next week. Okay, bye-bye. That is uh, Peter Dowdle, uh, the IrishGardener.com. He'll join us next week, which will be the day, uh, will be part St. Patrick's Day, will be behind us. The bingo is going ahead uh, tonight in uh, Newtown Chandram. There was somebody earlier looking for that, so I'm glad to give that a mention that it is going ahead. Uh, news just in, says a texter, Polish president will have ordered the closure of all schools, universities, cinemas and tourist attractions in Poland. They've had 26 confirmed cases and no uh, debt so far. Wow, I did we, I did mention it earlier. I knew that they had closed the decision to close all the schools but I didn't realise they're, lo- they're almost locking down the country like what Italy has done to see and they'll be Poland will be one to watch. Let's see, let's see how they get on because they've got a similar number to us with only 26 
confirmed uh, cases and nobody's died so it is similar uh, to us and I don't know they have a bigger population I'm sure okay I've got to wrap it up there for today my thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we're back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock until then I'm Patricia Messenger have a good afternoon and mind yourself Court today on C103 with a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go Shortcastle Street Mallow call and collect or get seven day delivery for those cosy nights in lowcostfuel.ie Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.